Person Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Milhouse, and always, always, always joined by my good friend Daryl Hammond. Hello, Daryl. Hola. What's up? And uh, today we are going to be joined by. We just want to give a shout out to our producer, Jim Search. Hey, hey what's, up, what's up, party people? Good to uh, good to good to be here uh, in voice. Always here in spirit, but always uh, now in voice. So yes, everybody Jim. by now pretty should pretty much know we do this over Zoom. But Jim's our uh, our podcast producer who's done a great job for all of, uh, for all of our episodes here so far. So, uh, you know, we figured we'd have him on and give him a nice little shout out in the beginning here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Good to be seen. Good to be seen. Jim came to work with a, an attitude tonight, huh, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> came, in, came in pretty hot, Daryl. I ain't going to lie. My first words were, I want to quit my job. Uh, <laughs> but allegedly, if they're listening, allegedly, allegedly, I love my job. Everything's great. <laughs> Yeah, we we're just talking about uh, bad jobs and, and jobs that were that were shitty and that we just you know couldn't wait to quit. Like uh, Daryl worked in a restaurant years back, and I've done the same thing. I mean, I, I worked at a bar and I was I was bar backing a long time ago, and man, I just came to the point where I was like, I cannot wait to quit this fucking job. You know, I I had it all mapped out. Like, you ever see that that scene in um in Half Baked where the dude just goes like, "Fuck you, fuck you, you're cool." fuck you i'm out and then he just leaves oh yeah well uh, <clears throat> the funny part for me was it really wasn't about that it was i was a waiter even or a bartender it wasn't about that it was about the people that ran it it was about oh yeah that's usually what the, it is the way the fucking place was set up um because i worked for years at a place called skyline motor inn that was later popularized in a book called the Westies, which became a movie called state of grace. Um, and there were, they were said to be gangsters ran it mm-hmm. and frequented the place. The clientele they was said were gangsters. So I thoroughly enjoyed working there. I liked them all. I thought they were just knock around neighborhood guys and I used to do Rodney Dangerville for them. It was my first public performance was for the Westies, if you've ever nice. heard of that book, the most violent gang in the history of New York. The they FBI. all they all have like one of those old those old gangster names like, Hey, where's Knuckles? Yeah, like Vinny uh, the Rich. There was a little bit of there was a little <laughs> bit of that. Get yeah. an extra side of fries for Lefty over here. Why do you call him Lefty? You don't want to know. <laughs> but but um, you know, they would do things like there was this kid named Danny Spillane and Timmy Spillane, and Timmy Spillane would always come in and go, Daryl, do Rodney, Daryl, do Rodney. And I'd, <laughs> do Rodney Dangerfield for the fucking Westies, man. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, since I'm a kid, nobody wants me around, you know? <laughs> Perfect. It sounds like I'm all right I'm all right now. Last week I was in rough shape, though, you know? My wife's father moved on. <laughs> Has electronic pacemaker. Every time he sneezes, the garage door opens. Okay. <laughs> so it sounds like you got some respect with that one. I got respect from the the, the Westies. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that they were gangsters, but people said they were. Well, Dangerfield may get no respect, but you got the respect for that. That's what it I gave was me the confidence. Yeah. I even did a performance at Catch Rising Star, and they and some of them came. Oh shit! Really. You know, like That's fucking one thirty in the morning on you know seventy eighth and first. <laughs> hey, yeah. Daryl, these guys ain't laughing. You want to fucking take them out? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they laughed. You know, I sucked, completely sucked. And they laughed so hard. Like, there was no one laughing except these, these fucking guys. Would, ah! <laughs> laugh their head off. Everybody else there was probably scared to death to fucking laugh. They're like, if we walk out right now, are we going to get murdered? Yeah. Nobody else liked me on that my, in my stage debut. Oh, man. Well, oh, man, man, everything has changed now, all right? Everybody, uh, everybody caught on to the Daryl Hammond train pretty quickly, so. <sighs> well... If even half of that is true, then <laughs> I, I, I'm happy that I s- somehow ascended from the most unfunny human ever. Nah, well, I think that's how we all are when we start stand-up. Uh, for those listening, Jim's also a stand-up, too. So we, uh, the three of us, we put in our dues. We, pay, we have to pay our dues in the beginning. We eat a lot of shit on stage, as uh, it's so put delicately delicately uh mm-hmm. yeah we we uh you bomb what was the old saying if you're not bombing at least once a week you're not really doing stand-up so is that an old saying yeah i think so i like i still have some of like my my like tapes from like year one like year two yeah and i you know they're like whatever like 10 minute sets i'll get two minutes in and be like i can't fucking look at this anymore like oh, tell yeah. the tell the joke like where is it come on dude yeah. get there <laughs> i'm getting to clinics keep talking because i did material that was fucking atrocious and um you know like i, I pray to god no one ever knows or ever hears <laughs> any tape you know i mean look at you're only you know it's about the hardest thing in the world to do. They're strangers. You've never met them. Now you're going to make them laugh their heads off. Oh yeah. Talk about degree of difficulty. My, yeah. um, my early jokes were just a lot of, uh, a lot of short, short guy jokes. I did a lot mm-hmm. of the jokes about trying to bang tall women and, for lack of a better term. And, uh, yeah, I, I just remember I was like, I think I, I, my big joke was something about like me going up on a woman you know, I was like, you ever get eaten out standing up, sweetheart? Yeah, well, now you will with me. Something so hacky. I mean, look, it's probably going to be my new closer next week, but. Uh, Still on brand. Still yeah. on I brand. bought a, I bought it for $50. I bought a joke off of uh, uh, Arizona comic, a Phoenix comic. And it was, uh, you know, I hope we can edit this out if we need to, because it's so. <laughs> and the joke was. Um, Hey, I don't, I don't understand lesbians. What are they in the What are they in the womb at birth? Going, hey, I got to get back here more often. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> horrifying. Yeah. Well, I mean, we live and we learn, my friends. We live and we the learn. The rest of my act was just as bad. Yeah. Um, well, uh, should we bring in our guest for today? Sure. He's uh, he's standing by and waiting. Um, we have one of the one of my favorite all time SNL cast members, Horatio Sands, will be joining us. Let's see if we can get him on here. What up, dudes? Hey, man. We Where am I? We me? can't see you. Okay, here we go. Get ready. Hey. hey. All right. On. Well, welcome to the Third Person Podcast, Horatio Sands. Hey, how are you, Horatio? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for being on with us. Horatio, do you remember when I used to call you the straw that stirs the drink? I, I do remember that, and I, I was one of the best compliments uh, anyone ever gave me. Daryl told me that you were the only one that could make him laugh. You, they would always send you in at SNL days back to, to just to 
to get in particular. In particular, I mean, I, I remember a photo shoot for Esquire magazine, and I was really glum. And someone was like, "Will you go over there and fucking pump oxygen into that dude?" <laughs> <laughs> Just so they could get a, a genuine smile out of me for my picture, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really funny, nice. man. That's a that's that's a hell of a compliment again because you know you are such a good like once you get into character you're you know you're you're in there you know you're like in the zone so to make you crack up a little bit I remember when you're I was thinking today about uh, the Turkish talk show when you're um, I tried to tell Chris about it will you tell Chris it's the funniest thing maybe one of the top five I've ever done and I fucked up the line so much. Because he made me laugh. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what was the, what so the concept much. for the sketch? What, what was that? I didn't see this one. Well, me and Higgins were kind of like dicking around with this uh, this guy, this Turkish kind of cool guys from the seventies, um, and so they were like they were like they were current like nineties or two thousands people, but they were like twenty years behind. So they would say like bull jive. Come on, man. Like, don't come in here with that bull jive. And they were trying to use, like, cool urban urban stuff from the 70s. And uh, uh, it was just insanity of two crazy uh, guys that just, like, get very violent right away. You know, just, like, it's playing off that kind of Middle East uh, uh, rage that we all I, are afraid of. You know, and I, I, I played this, the, 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 the sidekick who was kind of stupid and untalented <laughs> and mean-spirited and just a, a mess. <laughs> it, it was every show, you know, it was a countdown to Horatio yelling at this fucking guy. What was your character's name? Um, Jeez, I can't even remember. Was, was, was I Foray Mutar? Foray Mutar. Were you Foray Mutar? That was yeah. you? And I remember, yeah, you. I was for a, and you. That was one time the, your mustache was falling off. And Ian McClellan, laughing. Ian McClellan kept putting it back on. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you started yelling at me. They had you per, like they had, they had just seen it fall off, and I'm like, get yourself together, man. Stop drinking that sake, man. I go, you drink so much, you can't grow a mustache anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And we had the best, the most famous and talented people in the whole world on Foray Matar's talk show. Yeah. That's awesome. Lovely I, I, I got to look up those clips Only for sure. Only sirs are allowed to do that. I think we did one or two. I may have done an, uh, an uh, update also, but it was one of those things that we really loved ourselves that was just insanity for the audience. Yeah, because usually, usually for me, if I really love the piece, it's not. it doesn't end up being as funny as I want it to be, but this one just slayed. Slayed. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, come, you guys were on the same for, for quite a few years together, right? Yeah, all, all my eight years, I think. Yeah, so yeah, that's a long run. Yeah, yeah, all my eight years. I think I, I started in 98, so I think Daryl started in 95, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, and then we uh, eventually ended up on Are We There Yet on TBS, um, oh, playing nice. off, off each other. Oh, that's right. That was fun too. It <laughs> was a nice run. That one. That was really fucking good. So yeah, that's awesome, man. You guys have a, quite a quite a long uh, little friendship there, thanks to uh, thanks to the old SNL. Oh yeah, the straw that stirs the drink. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. I would walk around going, this guy's naturally funny. He's naturally funny. <laughs> and I would always lamely say, but you're the drink. You're the drink. <laughs> Listen, when you're in the when you're in the trenches, um, Chris, you got to do stuff to keep yourself going. Oh yeah, I mean, can only imagine, man. I mean, I, I look if the closest I come to that kind of stuff is when I, I'm uh, Horatio. You don't know me. I don't know you yet, but um, I uh, I do I do stand up uh, for a living. So I've I've done it for 15 years, and uh, you know the closest thing that I could probably do any like with what you guys are talking about is like you know just busting balls with other comics and. Uh, in the green rooms or on the road, you know, just try to, just to try to get through when you're like, all right, man, we got like seven shows we got to do. It gets a little old. If you're just going to, you know, just be mundane through it. You got to kind of, uh, you got to, you know, crack each other up a little bit. I think too, it's kind of like just, uh, thriving off the pressure. Yeah. Thriving off the fact that you're like, for us, I think achieving something is so, you know, um, far and few between you know that we actually achieve something so that when we get on SL we show up on time and we're actually making it for our job you know you just yeah. really fall in love with it yeah, you're cool. um I was particularly <clears throat> taken by your uh, impression of Elton John um remember you remember doing Elton John I remember I remember Elton John yeah and I always used to sing like Elton John in my bathroom like so, I always had kind of like the the voice, the voice of the the singing voice. Yeah, but but you did SNL on SNL. You did Elton John, correct? Yes, I did. I did. Good, because I was hoping I wasn't on, on a drug. <laughs> no, and usually when someone asks for an impression, I'll give you a little bit. This is Nikita by Elton John. Oh, Nikita, you will never know. Anything about my home, <laughs> and then the impression just came from just seeing clips of him being nasty with the press, and so it was all. I was always just him being an asshole to everybody. <laughs> That's the best, man. But then when I did Ozzy Osbourne's wife's show, the Sharon Osbourne show, oh yeah, that's right. Ozzy jumped out and, and snuck up on me. And was like, because yeah, I've been informed that he wouldn't be there. But then he came out as a surprise and it generally surprised me. And then after the taping, they're like, we're going to Ellen's house. Do you want to come with? And I dropped the ball. I'm like, no, no. Oh, man, you should have gone. Oh, of course. There's many things I should have done and I didn't. <laughs> were you that scared made, to go because you did an impression? I would, you know, because, and, and, and you know, Daryl knows this. You do a lot of impressions. You get notes. You'll get like gifts. People will be like, oh, it's so nice. Like Ozzy and their family, they sent me like cupcakes and stuff. Gene Shalit sent me in a letter and a, and a framed picture of uh, cartoon of himself. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, and then, but Ellen John never mentioned it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think he hated it. Yeah. But I, knew, but I knew he knew it because we were doing him and Elton John fighting and then we end up making out and biting each other's asses and stuff. <laughs> So I'm sure he was watching that like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what the fuck? How many times did you make out with a dude on SNL? <laughs> uh, it, ha- it hasn't been a lot. It's not enough that I remember, and I hope I'm not insulting any of them. Uh, <laughs> right? I did. Usually, usually it's like you're a politician and someone else is a politician and they – 
Yeah. Never the, cor- the correct answer here is not enough, right? <laughs> yeah. My favorite was when Will Forte was playing Bush and I was playing Rumsfeld and we did an exact replica of the final three minutes of Friends, the series ending scene. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and, uh, between David Schwimmer and, and, and Rachel and we just, um, God almighty, was that fun. <laughs> just to, to hear that sound in that, in that theater, it just when it explodes, pretty fucking great. Yeah, something about yeah, something about to the size of it, because uh, you know most studios are kind of big now. For for I guess for the time, it, the studio kind of like has great sound. I guess is what I would say. Oh yeah, there's always been an issue for me with like even when I watch it now, I'm like, are, are the laughs being like put down so that you don't hear them in the studio sometimes or are they louder at some points are they added later you know sometimes it feels that way um yeah, it feels a little off sometimes yeah mm-hmm. but i mean i'm not i'm just i'm just uh also saying that when it when it hits hard it's like amazing you know like yeah. that, 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 the place you're in it's like a museum of, of great comedy it's like yeah it's like crack it's like comedy yeah. crack I was always, um, I was always uh, wondering why they never had a like an audience warm up. You know, somebody goes. They in did. It was up. usually me for like five years. Oh, was it you? You did that? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Michael Che comes out every once in a while. And does a little stand up and good yeah, crowd work. Yeah, was Keenan, and me and Jimmy did it for a while. We just came out there and sang songs. Oh, that's cool. I know what the ladies sing with with Keenan. I don't know if they still do that. They do. They do. They do like a little song. Oh, they did. I mean. Last year they did, yeah. Uh, pre pre COVID. Were you at the studio? I was invited to come to the studio, and I was kind of excited about it. Um, but I went in anyway, just in case, and I don't know why. I recorded the whole montage. I recorded everything, but because I kind of sensed that something was might happen, and it turns out they're just like, listen, you know. Love you to death, but um, you're one more body that we have to worry about. Yeah. One more person we have to keep safe. And, you know, maybe this is not the best weekend, and you know, so we're going to record it for a while. It's also interesting that I, you know, I I wasn't going to be allowed to have a guest, which is just a little weird for me. But I'm a little upset because that would have been my, I would have been, I would have been his guest. It would have been you, man. I'm hoping. I mean, I would. I would love to go uh, as Daryl's guest one day. I've only been once, so I'd love to go again. I, I always loved having people to to the show because they would just be so fucking delighted. Oh, it's a cool thing, man! It delighted. Really is. Oh my it's a really God. cool thing. I would say. I would say to my friends, like, um, uh, even if you don't like the show, or you know, I'm not friends of friends. I'm like, even if you don't like the show, you're gonna love watching it being shot. Because of all the the ins and outs of it, yeah, it's know. a really cool process to watch, man. And again, it's like we're 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 showing up sometimes seconds before the cameras roll, and there's something insanely exciting and fun about making that. You mm-hmm. know, not missing it would be like, oh come on, you hit it first, and then like things <laughs> can can go off. But but that's we, a lot we, of the excitement I'm talking about of like the achievements of just like little goals, and that's that shows all about that. Were you ever aware, um, walking around backstage, or did it become just sort of passe for you, but were you ever aware of just who you might pass in the hallway 
on the way to the bathroom. I mean, from Hillary Clinton to LeBron James to Cam Newton. Right? Oh, well, yeah. And also, also that during that time, it was um, Rosie O'Donnell's show was huge. And we shared the same floor. So we were rehearsing, and you'd see also just all these crazy celebrities from Rosie on top of our show. But yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, before before 9-11, of course, it was just everything was a little easier and a little more normal. And then after that, it became harder. Things were closed off, you know, even at the studio. Remember, we had to, like, <laughs> get to put your ID up to the door all of a sudden. Before, you can just go all over the place. I mean, you know, for many, I could go from one suit to the next without ever bothering anybody. But then that changed. Yeah, I remember when um, certain people were there, they would have, um, the, they had this thing uh, that looked like it was in a violin case and then another one inside. And basically, it was um, thermal imaging um, that they would care, walk through the crowd with. And if you look too agitated, they might get you to get up and, and leave. But I guess the brain looks a certain way, makes certain images when you're getting ready to fucking kill someone or some shit. Was, That's this week or when I was like... Oh, no, no that, that was, that was um, back during the McCain, like, when McCain yeah. was running and Tina was was playing um, What's-Her-Name so brilliantly. and um, Sarah Palin, yeah. Yeah, when Sarah Palin was there, there was it was the most security that they said that anyone had ever seen. Right. But there was these guys with these things, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" The guys like, "Well, we walk through the crowd, and we can tell if someone's getting ready to make a move." It's crazy, right? Jesus, yeah, I remember that. Another crazy thing is when uh, you know they were sending poison in the mail, and they sent it to Tom Brokaw, right? Oh, yeah, was it right. Brokaw? Do you forget who they sent it to? Was it in Rosie's studio or Brokaw's office or both? Might have been just Brokaw's. I know it was, it was Brokaw's because it was a third floor, and I remember, you know, we talked to our our line producer and he was like, "It's okay, you know, if you guys want to get that drug or whatever, but it's it's going to be safe here. Don't worry about it." I'm like, okay. That was when that was when <laughs> Drew Barrymore was there. Yeah. And I remember going up the stairs and in the elevator stopping on the third floor and opening up and you just see these guys in hazmat suits and these machines you've never seen before. And you're like, okay, that's crazy. Uh, and then it wasn't that bad on the eighth floor, but we did have uh, Sanjay Gupta, I believe, on a monitor talking to all of us and Drew Barrymore to like make Drew Barrymore uh, relax and not be afraid. Damn, man. Yeah, and, and even even now, you know, when I went over there the other day as I was leaving the studio, there's guys with fucking can guns that are more closer to cannons than guns. You know what I mean? Horatio, they were military, I guess. I mean, with you know, you, you, like like, like when there's like when the Christmas tree, like with the Christmas tree. Okay. Yeah. But but yesterday or, or the other day they were they were right out front. They were on Fifth Avenue, uh, and sort of around the rink. Um, guys with big guns, and and you wonder um, what in the world do we not know about that these guys stop? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then one day, I uh, well, I was going to tell a story of someone who, <laughs> who was pat 
past it was during the Sarah Palin time and they did all these extra extraordinary security things and they came in and they went through all of our dressing rooms that Saturday morning and then there were people and with flak jackets and shotguns and we had to pass through them to walk into the studio and I remember one of our castmates Horatio and I won't say the name walks up to these <laughs> these their FBI Secret Service she goes uh, listen I don't care what. Y'all motherfucker, don't touch my pot. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I got some weed, right? And they're just like, really? Think we care about that? Really? <laughs> shotguns to stop you from lighting up. Pretty sure, yeah. Dogs, dogs, and then a fucking and then and then a fucking camel walks by. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's somebody, and then there's somebody tap dancing. I remember peeing in the. Me and Jimmy and uh, Lauren were peeing in the same uh, bathroom, and I was like, "Oh, Lauren's in this, in the, in the cast, in the other bathroom, the one by the, the elevators." And I was doing this bit about Jimmy, um, playing, talking to his dick, and his dick being like, "Quit, quit touching me so much, quit touching me so much," uh-huh. and, and so. I was just doing the voice of his penis, and then Lauren walked in. And I was like, well, I'm already doing this bit. I can't just stop in the middle. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Lauren actually did laugh at it, and uh, I'm sure he was happy to be involved in the joke. So th- this, is, this is three very famous people leaning up against urinals with their hands down here, doing the <laughs> obvious, and you're talking like Jimmy's penis. Yeah, I was having a, I was having a conversation between him and Jimmy's penis, uh, and uh, and then the Lauren came walked in, and so I just kind of like, well, I just finished kind of doing it, and then. <laughs> well, a know, lot of people. Jimmy well, noticed. Like, Jimmy noticed Lauren was there, and I know you know I was well, kind of like already done. A lot of people, um, a lot of people we've we've talked to on the podcast, man, like Chris Catan and Dean Edwards. I think they were both your obviously cast members. Uh, your yeah, both lovely people. Yeah, so like they've talked. I mean, they've talked about uh, just the. Just just getting Lauren Michaels to laugh and just how like how big it, that's like hitting a home run, you know? Like you feel like ah, oh, I got it, I got I got the big boss to crack, you know? Because <laughs> it just felt yeah. like it, it meant more, I guess, to to you guys when you yeah. When you well, I mean, I so remember this, there was this one time I saw like um, Steve Martin and Tina were asking Lauren advice on a joke, and I I also remember being in the room when Jay Leno called to ask about. It advice on a joke this happened around the same time and when you see stuff like that it, it boggles your mind or we go to dinner at orso and neil simon is there and fucking walks up to lauren and they fucking start talking and uh i mean it just i never got quite over that like yeah. who this per, who who this guy was yeah he's still, and he's still just still funny you know he's still uh Last last time I talked to him, you know, yeah, he, he's still good and and gives good advice and stuff. Do you uh, do an impression of him? I do. I do an impression of Dana's, like we all do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do yours. I do Dana's. You know, there was a there was a time a couple of years ago when Trump Trump tweeted about me, and so I didn't know how that was going to be received at SNL. I mean, because he. he I didn't know how they were going to respond to that. So I was just standing in the hallway right to the outside the entrance to the studio. And I, and Lauren came in with that 
that small procession that always seems to be around him of uh, good-looking young people with clipboards. And as he passed me, I was like, is he man? Lornettes. Yeah. And he walked by me and he goes, the president, I can't do it. The president knows your name, okay? (laughs) I was like, he does indeed, and yes and thank you. (laughs) He's like, the president knows your name. And you're right, Chris. When you would like really break him up, you knew you fucking hit him. It's a yeah, line it, drive. It, it just sounds like it means more. Like, I mean, yeah, you can crush on stage and, and doing stand up or, you know, uh, on a sketch on SNL. But if you get if you get the big boss to laugh, it's like, man, like I did something right today. That's all I care about. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. But it's not it's not, you know, eight to nine people, eight to nine million people, eight to ten million people watching. Yeah. Catch you yeah. So sometimes, you know, you make them laugh and you're like, awesome. That sketch is probably going to has a good chance. You know, yeah. sometimes uh, the host might not love it. But yeah, but usually when you get him laughing, well, I had a great, I had a great vantage point because I sat right across the table from him. I mean, the long way. So he was like, "Yes, uh, you sat at the end. I sat over here. I, as you walk in the room, I sat on the left next to Will, and then you were uh, at the top of the table." Yeah. Do they give oh, you assigned not. seats when you when you first get there? Do they go, "All right, that's your seat." Yeah, pretty much. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what was your other, uh, your best otherworldly moment? I mean, I had a couple that was just like, I'm on another planet, you know. Um, Obama talking to my daughter for six minutes. Um, Mick Jagger asking me if he could have a go at one of my parts. Stuff like that. Yeah. Or just, seeing, just getting ready to do a bit and A-Rod's like 20 feet from you. Well, you know, I hate to make it about drugs, but you know, it is oh. SNL, so they could use they could always use a little drugs in SNL stories, <laughs> especially these days. But yeah, at the end of uh, the forty fifth anniversary, I I, uh, I had a joint in my hand, uh, and I looked over to Bill Murray, who was like uh, like twenty feet to my right, to my left. I looked at him, and I'm like, "You want some?" He's like, "No, no I'm good." And then. Uh, I don't know. I somehow look, someone, some other oldie who kind of was like, nah. And then I, I saw Keith Richards, and I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to have some. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as soon as Keith Richards grabs the joint, then everybody else starts coming back in. Not Bill Murray, but like the young guys, the young cast members are coming in like, oh, shit. You know, and Jimmy came in, and then we all smoked this joint. And I still have it downstairs because, as you know, all this DNA on it, but <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Like, well, do, do you remember Dana Carvey's story about when he quit smoking pot, the arrival of his sons, and he's going to get clean and sober, and he was in on a big health kick, and he was never going to smoke pot again. And then one day he was over there somewhere at SNL, and Paul McCartney offered him a joint, and he thinks to himself, <laughs> "Okay, so I." Don't smoke a joint with one of the original Beatles. <laughs> you got to You got to do I, it. I, I pass on the opportunity, you know. And, um, and that that anniversary show, I, my dressing room was next to the bathroom on the second floor, which is right down from Keenan and Leslie Jones and Kate. The people that came into my dressing room asking to sneak a cigarette that night, wow. And I still think about it. I was like, that was something else, man. Yeah. I was, was something I was, else. I think I was in there smoking with you. I'm sure you were. I mean. Oh, no. It was a, it was a fantastic evening. Um, yeah. 
You know, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you, Horatio. Um, I I don't know if you're uh, if you're good with telling about this, but uh, tell us a little bit about Tablegate. <laughs> Tablegate uh, was oh I'm a, I might be I might be combining a few stories, yeah. But I'll tell it to the best of my recollection, which I I remember that we had um, there was a second. Uh, <laughs> you know, after the show, we'd have a huge blowout, and that yeah. was always going to be a huge party. But then on, like, Wednesday night, we had a writer's party. Nice. And that was just for the writers. And so only the writers and only the cast members. And even we had some that were, like, no no, no dates, just people that worked on the, at the show at that time like that. And, uh, and they were really great blowouts. And one year, um, I don't know what. We got in trouble. I don't know what happened. But we were just – everybody was just so – it may have been – the year, the two, uh, you know, 2000 and 2002 or something where everybody was kind of stressed out, but we went, we partied so hard that we, en- we ended up like sliding across the, the read through table on pizza boxes, uh, like just pouring beer and liquor on the tables and sliding <laughs> on pizza boxes. And, uh, and then, and then someone, and then a, I remember a girl that worked for us and the, she she brought a boy over to the party on on seventeen, and he threw up because every <laughs> you know it just got too trash. He threw up, and then he threw his um, like a, a throw like on a shirt. He threw it at the Carson Daly office. So there's like a throw up shirt on Carson Daly's door. <laughs> and then you know it was just like office space when they fucking destroy that computer. Everyone was like, I've had such hard times at this table. <laughs> I mean, I've had good times. But I've had such yeah. bad times at this fucking table and the decisions that are made at these tables. So we, everybody just started stomping on it. Uh, I mean, there was even people just that wanted to be part of it and put their feet like, all right, it's broken. I'll put my foot on it because I want to be part of this. Like, I probably, Yeah, yeah. Well, we I mean, the things, the things that happened at that table affected American culture for 45 years. That table. I hope they fixed it up again afterwards. <laughs> they did. And the thing that, that also I didn't worry about it was like, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't the same tables, you know, it was just like, yeah. they were, they were like the table that they use on, um, on wrestling, you know, when they throw people over the rink, you know, those oh, yeah, yeah. but they were put together. They were stronger, obviously <laughs> <laughs> they were put together. And I don't think that was the table that they've used forever. So I had that, I took that into account and, and after it happened, I was like, "Is it? You know, it's just bent metal. Can't we just put the same wood on it? Whatever." Uh, and then, and Kenny Amon was really pissed. And he wrote us, <laughs> and he's like, "You know, wrote us like, how dare you guys, you know, disrespect this this place, this you know, whatever." And then he was like, "By the way, nice touch with whoever threw the throw up shirt on uh, Carson Bailey's door." <laughs> Jesus Christ. But didn't, um, didn't I had nothing, we had nothing to do with it. Of course, I had to go in and talk to, you know, talk to somebody and just like, what happened? To, you know? But didn't, didn't you also break a rib or something? I broke a rib and I think it may have been another party like that. And I was, and I did, I jumped over on the table to do the slide and I just landed in a thud. Like I've been sliding across the table and I think the pizza box got too saturated or there wasn't enough. Uh, liquor on the table, and I jumped up and literally like, Arr! and I just like, ah, oh, <laughs> I just like thumped on the table, and I fractured my rib. I didn't know at time it was fractured, but I was like, oh shit, that's not, that's not right. So I had to leave the party in the middle of it, which is a heartbreaking thing. 
And uh, yeah, and this is like that's a, that's a year or two. I kicked the hole in the door. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean that during those years, <clears throat> I was mostly trying to stay sober, so I wouldn't even go to the the party. But you would hear, and we began to hear from as, as week followed week about Horatio Sands, not at the party, not at the after party, but at the after after party, that he would seem to be in charge, the spiritual leader of that merriment. And the, the stories every week were legendary. Yeah, I got a party with you, Horatio, man. <laughs> oh, it, it's fun for a little bit. It's and fun for it a little bit. <laughs> Uh, and then we end up in handcuffs. <laughs> I have to, you know, I have to suffer the next day, but usually it's, I'm pretty good. Uh, and I, and I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a good time, but yeah, I was like from when I was growing up hearing about the show, I, part of the, the, you know, the whole, the whole uh, glory about it, you know, the whole, yeah. Was, was that they partied, that they smoked weed. You know, I didn't, I didn't know they did Coke, but you know, I was a little too little to know even what that was, but they smoked weed and they partied. And uh, Belushi had his own bar, you know, uh, Belushi and Eckert opened their own bar and they would, that's where they would have the after after. So I was like, we need to bring back the after afters. Yeah, we, yeah. we were pretty young and still drinking a lot. And so it was like, we need this other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd known that I, I thought the show would be cool with it because the, the, the past that Belushi did it. So like Lawrence, a creature of habit. So if there was a blues bar back, Back then, there could be another blues bar, and you know he'd be okay with it because uh, it didn't affect was, us anyway. Because was, we were, it was Sunday nights that we were. It was Saturday nights, and it was Sundays. It would be like us sleeping, you know. Yeah, just your off day after a long week. Yeah, yeah. You roll in Monday night, <clears throat> and you're still like a little fucking drunk. Yeah, and and do it all again. But I love those legendary stories, man. I love that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, I'm a fan of the show, and uh, I've gotten to know a lot of you guys, you know, cast members over the years, just through stand up and stuff. And it's it's fun hearing these stories. It's it's like, man, I just want to be there to party with you guys. Did you have a Did you have a particular hero in SNL lore? Like mine, for instance, was Eddie Murphy. That's the guy that I tried to be as good as. You know, uh, Belushi was my guy. Um. But yeah, Belushi was always Belushi, and all those most of those guys from. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say it. I loved everybody on the original. because I was a kid, watched, yeah. watched every Wednesday. Used to like play repeats of it in a condensed form, and I would watch those every Wednesday. And so, yeah, I was an addict of the show. And uh, wait, what was the question again? Who is your hero? Oh, Belushi. Belushi. But uh, but even then, I I wasn't. I stopped competing with Belushi at Second City. <laughs> like, like I started being the crazy guy that was in Animal House. And then at Second City, the longer I was there, I started doing more things and having more variety, playing different types of characters. So, you know, yeah, when you I got Second out, City, but I was Chicago, following. Right? I was following Belushi every step. Like, I went to Second City, went to you know. Was, second, was it Second City, Chicago? Is that where it was? Yeah. 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 And uh, and then I lived in the village. He lived in the village. And, uh, what street did he live on? Mont? He lived on Morton. Morton, sorry. Yeah, I think Fifty Morton. If you want to go there and bother the people that live there, yeah, let's go ring some doorbells right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. What was your um? Can I ask what what, uh, what was your audition like for us? No, 
um, like Daryl talked about how he auditioned like what, two or three times, and we've had other people on talked about like they bombed and they thought it, they didn't get it, and then they got it, you know. And it's never really it's like hard to judge when you did it, you know. And I really thought like even at I was 28 when I auditioned, and I was already at that time thinking like I'm getting a little long in the tooth, uh, so I better quit fucking around and really put my <laughs> my energy into something. And the year before, two years earlier, I'd auditioned for In Living Color and didn't get a call back. I mean, me and John Glazer went in there together and did some bits and, like, there was no interest in us. And so, and then uh, there was a Roseanne, the cast of Roseanne. There was a Roseanne sketch show. And so by that time, I was still fucking around a lot. And then when that SNL thing kind of came up, like, there's a possibility you, that you could audition for I'm like, oh, okay. All right. And then so then I just prepared. And then uh, Higgins and Hurley, he came to see the show. And uh, and afterwards, yeah, he's like, um, yeah, I think we're going to invite you to audition uh, in August. And this was, uh, I think this was like May or June. And uh, and so I had a lot of time to prepare my audition. Uh, I, I, I always kind of say, like, I was very lucky that, they were like, we came and saw it. And then they're like, well, it's going to be a couple months. Like, oh, don't worry about it. And, and so by the time I did audition, I, I kind of knew all my shit. I was really good. I polished it and I wasn't a standup. So I didn't have like these bits that I'd done before. These were all new bits and I just kind of honed them on my own, but they were all like to show off. Like, you know, I did, uh, I probably did Elton John. I may have done um, meatloaf because I did, I did a meatloaf song at second city. So I, well, I'll take, I know that works. So I'll take that and put it in the audition. Uh, yeah. I mean, I knew it, it was one of the greatest, like, I think there's, there's probably video of it on YouTube or something. Like it's available to me, but I don't ever want to look at it because to me, it was the greatest audition I've ever had and I've ever <laughs> yeah. done. And I just don't ever want to see how it's okay, but not great as I thought. Uh, yeah. And because so when I left, I'm like, oh, I fucking got, I nailed it. I oh, nailed nice. it. Nice. And I'm like, whatever happens now is out of my hands, but that's about as good as I could have done. And so that night, you know, we all got hammered in the, in the village. <laughs> uh, and then the next day we waited and then they were like, There's a, you have to have a meeting. We're going to have a meeting. And so then you go meet them. Where, where, where was your meeting? It was in Higgins' office. Did you ever do a dinner or anything like that? We thought to, to get to be tasked about the show? Like, I did two auditions for Lauren in the studio. Then I did one on stage at the comedy strip, the comic strip. And then I had a dinner at some place here on the Upper West. I guess they wanted to meet me to see if I was a psychopath. And then I had one. Yeah, that's, they, they do a psycho meeting. Yeah, to they see if you're like, in a, a whack job. Yeah, or to see if you're going to be fun to work with or pain. Uh, yeah, because I, I assumed that everyone knew I was kind of kooky, but um, I think I was judged as a as sort of a benign kooky. No, they, you were a nice kooky, yeah. Yeah, they were <laughs> someone that they could really, you know, work with. Yeah, and talk to. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, like you de we definitely had some good time to share some good times, even though. Oh my god! We're in the throes of addiction. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. you in one way, me in the other. But you know, well, one of my favorite stories that I heard uh, about um, right after the audition when you had the meeting with Lauren was um, Will Ferrell's. He went in there with uh, twenty thousand dollars in fake money in a briefcase, and he was going to slide it across to Lauren Michaels and open it up and be like, "So what's it going to take?" He said, "No, he said he never got. He said that w- when they brought him in, it was a lot. He thought it was going to be a lot, you know, s- you know, more laid back and loose. But he goes, he felt so uptight that he like it, they just were like, okay, well, you know, you're you're going to be on the show, and he's like." Oh, and he just never brought. He's like, well, then you don't need that. Like he never, he never did it, but he he had it ready to go with like fake fake bills to to just make him laugh and and try to bribe, bribe his way in, kind of thing. But it definitely has that feel of like when uh, in in Flashdance when she's about to do the final dance and she's about to be judged. You know, yeah, it's got that kind of energy to it where it's like, okay, show us what you got. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> this and, is uh, it. Famously, for me, uh, you know, I was recommended by Adam McKay and Tina, both, who, who you know, Lauren That's really awesome. liked. So I come from a good recommendation. But before I start my audition, Lauren turns to Adam and says, so this is your friend? And Adam's like, yeah. And it's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, Let's see what you got. Let's see what you yeah. got. It was, that was, I'll see what you got. Like, he's basically saying, like, this guy better be good. You talk to me a lot about him, you know, and I'm going to get him a little nervous too. See if he can handle it. Yeah, because he's he's sitting there going, you know, I've got Dick Cheney on hold, and uh, and Jagger's in my office, and this is the guy. Okay, <laughs> of course, it's it's another cast member that you know from all, from all the years you've watched. So Lauren not only is your boss, that's a little funny when you have to start realizing he's your boss and not just someone that you admire from television. You know, from yeah. the time yeah. you on TV. Um, yeah. Well, was there, um, was there a, a, like, a sketch where everything went wrong? Uh, like, I, I, I had a sketch with Molly once, and we were doing uh, a takeoff on The Sopranos at, at the Bada Bing, and I was supposed to be Tony Soprano, and before I went out there, I had, I got chalk in my mouth and a little glue in my eye and the first three cards I had never seen before. And all of that, I ended up doing like Brando instead of Tony Soprano. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't cope with the chalk in my <laughs> mouth and I couldn't cope with the glue in my eye because I couldn't see my cards. Yeah. So I'm like, the fuck am I going to do? So I, I, fuck it. I mean, I'm going to do Brando. So I ended up doing Brando, and then Molly came out as the 50-year-old dancer and blew the house apart. Oh, was it the 50-year-old, uh, I'm 50? Yeah. yeah and I'm going to kick, and I'm going to... It's weird when you're 50, and you're like, I, I can't kick, and I can't stretch. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite sketches, man, was with you and um, Chris Kattan, man. Like, you, he used to, like, I, I don't remember what what sketch exactly was, but I think you were wearing like no shirt and a vest and like, he used to whip you <laughs> like fake whip you. And you used oh, to like, that, yell. that was a Jimmy and I, that was a Jimmy. Little, okay. Jimmy, yeah. And I was yeah. a left man. Yeah. And you used to just do this, like this yell, like, ah, like it was just, yeah, yeah. it was so I, silly. I, I get whipped because I was bad. And I was like this creepy, like <laughs> Igor to his, you know, Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, but it was so silly. It made me laugh every time. Man. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, it was insane. I mean, like, we, and it was like it was based <laughs> on these like leather shops 
that were on uh, Christopher Street. And I'm like, you're like, uh, they're just insane. And that, so we thought the, the people's obsession with leather, like leather people, it would be yeah. great. So, and then Dan Aykroyd jumps in as the judge. And he's wearing like a fucking leather jumpsuit and a hat, you know, and he's the judge, Judge Lindenwell. He's like, hello, boys. You know, he's a freaky judge that comes in for his uh, S&M works. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that I mean. I, lo- I love that sketch, man. That was so That, was so that one in the Christmas song, I'm like, you know, those are like the big ones. You know, um, Cowbell. Yeah. You know, and did you, did uh, you were, you, were you in Cowbell? Yeah, I was a bass player. I already have one line in it. Oh yeah, I think I, I say. Mean, uh, I think I, I remember say, someone for all of us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, someone said to me, um, "Have you seen Cowbell?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Go out there on the floor and just be clever." And I was <laughs> probably five feet from you, ten feet from you, Horatio. And they went into Cowbell, and that's one of those ones where you. They might have been able to hear me on camera laughing. It was just too. It was just too fucking funny. Yeah, it was a classic, man. I mean, look, they they still have. There's there's people out there wearing t-shirts that say "Need more cowbell" still to this day. That's how you know a sketch was iconic, man. I saw. I, yeah, years ago, I saw those cowbell sketches like before they were properly licensed. Properly licensed because they were like these knockoffs in the like in Malibu. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is crazy because this what I could see that it was just like a knockoff. But even that they're making knockoffs now are is like amazing. Yeah. Was there ever um, was there ever a sketch that you uh, loved that never made it on? Like we've talked uh, with a couple other guys. We had Brooks Whelan on, and he talked about he had a sketch. Um, <laughs> it made it to dress. It was a sketch about where he gets raped by um, King Kong. <laughs> and like then they become lovers it's like it, it's just so silly but it but it never made it and then he said he had to repitch it the next week and they looked at him like he was insane he was like, <laughs> oh yeah because you had to repitch it again yeah and then he was like what well, this one's a dress last week though yeah and it's like nope do it again and then like the bits don't work and everybody's like come on man quit trying to shove this down our throats again you know <laughs> did you ever have a sketch like that is there something that you were like man i really wish this popped i really wish we could have done this uh, I mean, I'm sure that I, I didn't think about this, but there, there's, there's gotta be a hundred, you know, that, that yeah. I, I mean, you were on there eight years. Man. On. Uh, but, yeah, that's part of, that's part of the game, man. You're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to have something you're in love with be taken away because the host wants to sing a Christmas carol. It's kind of like five. It's kind of like, yeah, like, uh, it's, it's like one out of five sketches is going to get, if you're, if you're hot. You know, if you're hot, you're two out of five. But usually, like, one out of five, you're like, oh, that's going to be good. Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you got to write a lot. What was uh, your favorite sketch that you wrote that made it? Well, I did the sketch, too, uh, that I ended up doing on Comedy Bang Bang, which is uh, Shelly Driftwood, which was this hippie guy. Okay. Who uh, was, like, who had just become a hippie in the recent years. and But in the old days, in the 80s, he was doing coke, and he was, like, hanging out with all these, like... Uh, metal people from the 80s and i just did this thing where we're just super hippies being and then like and i remember it not getting anything in the world uh, at snl like no one got any of the jokes about like mm. socal douchebaggery <laughs> <laughs> uh and 
And it's just like, and then it just died so bad that we had to keep doing it. You, you can't just like stop in the middle of a read, you know, run dress and be like, we all know this is bullshit. Let's move on to the next thing. You just got to plow through it. So there was a prop of a coffee mug on the thing. And while in the middle of the scene, I just ripped it out of the, it was glued to the table and I just ripped it off like, okay. Cause I knew it was just, it died so bad. Um, <laughs> and the thing with when you explain these things, it's never like when you explain like scenes that die too, they're never as funny. Rarely. They're rarely as funny as you remember them because it's like, you know, uh, who's a guy uh, who did, who did walk in, um, he did walk in. He was there for a few years. I think he was with you. Yeah, he did. He did the De Niro show, I think. Yeah, he did. He did uh, the De Niro, De Niro show and the Joe Pe- the Joe Pesci. Oh, show? that's two different things. Fuck. Okay. Okay. Fuck it. <laughs> um. Yeah. What was the question? I'm sorry. What was the question? What- <laughs> I was just asking about sketches, man. Something that you really loved that made it on the air, or obviously that didn't make it on the air, but. Um, you did so many, you know, eight years. I don't know if any of them stuck out to you. Were like, man, I'm really glad that that made it on. I love that one, you know. Oh, Jay, so it was Jay Moore. And Jay Moore wrote this book about SNL, and uh, and it's pretty good. I got through it pretty quickly, and it's kind of just anxiety about being on the show. You know, have you read it, Daryl? No, but I, I know him a little bit, and I've heard some of these stories. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's it's pretty interesting, but 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 my point is that. Whenever you tell a story about a sketch that you wrote, it's it's usually like. So I remember, like, in that book, he talks about a scene that didn't make it and how unfair it was, you know. And it's always like, um, you know, clown with the toothache was a great sketch. And I don't know why people don't like it, you know. So you just try to describe these sketches, and it's always like that's not funny, but. <laughs> <laughs> you sound but, like a crazy person when you're trying to you're like no i swear to yeah, god most it was of the time <laughs> because like shit you know like the craziest things in the world like you know like you gotta see how it plays out you know there's a family that's eating like birds okay you know once you see that you know you're like oh shit this is a whole new level they're actually doing it yeah <laughs> so that, that one made that it was fun. that was so cringe but it made me laugh hard man like yeah yeah, yeah and that's the point like, yeah, even like there's a family that makes out all the time. That was like really no, crazy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fucking Sherry and Katan played this uh, sexed up couple, and they always fought and made up, and they were always like on top of each other, licking each other's faces. And it's like <laughs> I, don't, I don't really think they liked each other. Well, that's not true. Uh, I, I don't think they they didn't pal around a lot, but they you know, but they sure went to war together and. That's awesome. Yeah, but that's the beautiful thing about that show is that, man, like when those cameras are on and you guys are working, like you guys are, you, you know, it's, it's almost it's almost seamless for most of you, man. Like, I mean, majority of casts I've, I've seen on that show. So it's just it's just a cool thing to watch. It's just it's a real it's brilliant art, you know. Were you in Riding My Donkey? I was I, I saw the tape. I wasn't there for that. But yeah, someone, someone wrote a sketch about. A, a, a politician riding a donkey? Uh, a political talk show. Um, yeah. And everyone, uh, while ri- riding donkeys. Yeah. So it was ri- riding my donkey, and we used live donkeys. And in the first, in dress rehearsal, they were really interested in our crotches. And right. so, yeah. 
so that caused us to break up. So then they drug the donkeys during uh, between dress and air. Not drug them. I guess they give them something to to call to relax them. <laughs> and on air, their legs went splayed like that, and we all went down in a heap. It was me and Meadows. I'm trying to remember. And um, you know, I, I hated cracking up because I I don't think Lauren liked it that much. But I couldn't help it. <laughs> but it happened so oh, much, especially point. with yeah. Fallon and, and and I think you and. Uh, uh, it's Ann. I mean, they're, yeah, the donkeys were like never in control. Like they're trying to do the sketch and the donkeys are walking out of frame. You know, one donkey's taking a shit or something. It was just madness. That's <laughs> uh, like those. Um, there was a donkey left while he's in the middle of the line. And I think he just started laughing because it just took him out of the sketch. Of taking he couldn't help it. Yeah. I mean, the what guy, the fucking thing fell down. And he really, and he had really, I had to wear a catcher's cup. Yeah, well, they did that a lot with um what Tracy Morgan sketched, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. they had a, they had that sketch and I always the, the animals would always do something wild and you're like and just watching Tracy's face. I took myself out of uh one of those but, um, I've only done I think I only did like a couple of them, but I took myself out of one because they had me with a chimpanzee. Uh and they were cutting away to it and I was with a chimp like on a box and this little, it was a baby chimp, but the thing like could feel, I was nervous. I was like fucking with my clothes, you know, <laughs> and he pulled on my hair. <laughs> he pulled it hard. And I'm like, all right, that's it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that sketch with that thing. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. And it's, it's remarkable that even though the creature weighs about 25 to 40 pounds, it's like 10 times as strong as you. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, so it's like a four hundred pound muscle thing, right? If it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's sort of like if this if this little fucker wanted to, it could really remove my arm. You know, it could just snap yeah. my neck like it's like in a fucking yeah. uh, James Bond yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, and people were like, "Oh, Horatio, you're overreacting." You know, like Jenna, who I love, was like, "Oh, Horatio, he's a little cute monkey." I'm like, "No, no, no." And then that next week is when that chimpanzee attacked that guy. Uh, and this couple that went to a sanctuary, it was the same week, a chimpanzee right. escaped and just went, <laughs> they went apeshit on these people. <laughs> the pun. Uh, yeah, and it was it was especially an especially gruesome, horrific. Sla- horrific slaying. Yeah, like they, they cut off, they didn't kill him, but they cut off his nuts, they bit his nose off. Uh, because, you know, they're just like instinctually, that's what you do, you rip off the you know, the member so that he, he can't be a challenge anymore. Oh my God. And the lady oh. tried to help out and then she got her fingers bit off. So I had this article, you know, someone next, got their face taken off too. That lady got, yeah, that lady was, her friend had a, had a monkey and it was an older big monkey and the lady used to drink wine with it. Oh Jesus. Yeah. She would just party with this monkey. Like, uh, <laughs> all right, honey, you want a beer? And the fucking thing, like, <laughs> A friend came to visit her and it got jealous or something, and he went crazy. He's probably drunk. That sounds like an SNL sketch. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds like something you fucking make up for a show for comedy, and it's a real thing that happened. Yeah, and this lady talked high on wine, and then it, like he ripped off a lady's face. Trisha, you do a lot, you do a lot of dramatic and comedic parts now. I see you on lots of stuff. You um, feeling pretty good about some of that stuff. 
I do. I do. I feel, uh, you know, but a lot of it too is I don't, I'm not as precious as I would be about stuff because when I, you know, you go from SNL, which is you're writing and directing pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, at least you're co-writing and co-directing and co-producing too. And then you go to a place where it's like, you can't be as involved as you were in what you were doing before. You can't have that. So you have to kind of learn how to just be a player and, you know, and what are some of the things that uh, you've done lately? Black Monday. Yeah. Black Monday on Showtime I've done. And, uh, it's a great show. Yeah. It's a fun show and uh, get like, funny ass people. Even the guests are always funny. Yeah, and that's the, isn't that one with um, Janelle James and you know I think Yasser Lester writes for that too. I think yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I started comedy back in the day in L.A. and um, and Yasser was one of the guys that I kind of came up with a little bit. Oh, he's a great dude, so sorry. fucking funny, especially on the uh, <laughs> on Twitter. He's so fucking great. And Janelle too. I've never known of her just to, to find uh, out. Dude, oh my god, she's got a great Netflix special. She's so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said I was like I never meet people. I don't watch a lot. I hate being that guy. I don't watch a lot, but I really don't. And uh, no, I'm so the same way. I, yeah. I met her on the show. She was super funny. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, yeah, and it's fun. Don Cheadle's like a real good actor, so <laughs> just trying to keep up with him makes you pr- pretty good, pretty decent. Yeah, he's yeah. got a great sense of humor, though, man. I, <laughs> I hear that he 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 cracks a few jokes on some of the. Uh, oh yeah, guys. yeah. He keeps up with you know all the. Uh, of professional comedians. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, you know, yeah, he, 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 he knows what's funny and he knows, you know, kind of what we're doing. I think he gets it obviously. And then, uh, it shoots here near my house and like the crews are, are really racially like integrated nicely, uh, more so than I've ever seen. And I think it's because he kind of was like, you know, if we're going to do this, let's do it this way. And let's cast the, you know, let's hire fairly. And that's awesome. That makes it kind of fun. That kind of makes it special too. Yeah. Well, speaking of that kind of stuff, um, uh, weren't, were you the first Latino cast member on SNL? I was. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the moon. Like, yeah. I'm spraying on the moon. Did you feel a little like, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's too serious a question, but did you feel, uh, you know, more pressure when you got hired because of that or? Uh, no, no, I, I was more, I was more pressure. Like the Latino thing only mattered when in the beginning, when I was trying not to be stereotyped. So yeah. Oh yeah. I get that. So at the show I did the, the, the too sexy and I was doing mariachi guy and I was like, this can't be the first thing, like my first hit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. be guys being like, hey, there's another Latino guy you should be playing. So, I, you know, I kind of talked to Lauren and took myself out of it. And I thought I was going to get in trouble, but he's actually pretty cool about it. Oh, that's great. That sketch and the monkey sketch are the only two sketches that I've, I've, I've actually taken myself out of. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and, yeah, so I wasn't worried about being the first. I just wanted to be good enough that later it would be like, he was the first and he was actually pretty good. Yeah. Not, not just be, he was the first Latino on uh I don't know what happened, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you did something right. You were there eight years, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was fun. It was great, and uh, you know, I, I do feel proud that I was, and I hope that when I was coming up, people looked at it and were like, "Ah, oh, he's a Latino," or I, I think I should do that shit. You know, uh, at least I hope that's that's the one thing you kind of hope. And also, I just, you know, I had a fucking blast, and I, you know, I knew I was funny for me, so. I, I think I think some of that translated. 
Yeah, it, it definitely did, man. That, that was definitely a cool thing. I mean, I've, I talked to Melissa Villasenor about the same thing. She was the first Latina cast member, I think, like, you know, for the ladies' side. And uh, she said she was just so stoked to be, obviously, to be cast, but also to have that that part of it, too, you know? It's important. Yeah, and, and it's also like, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, Fred, Fred and I both did those kind of characters once people knew that, like, we can do other things. You know, he's mariachi guy. Then he went out and did. He had another kind of guy, a Cuban guy. You know, I oh yeah, I was mio. And then I did become a. You know, then I was another like stereotypical Latino guy. But yeah, the guy's doing it. So you know, we were in charge of it, so it wouldn't be too offensive. It was more the jokes were different. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely important, man, and that's that's cool. It's a, it's a cool aspect of it. You know. Yeah. Horatio, do you do you, do you watch the news these days? Uh, yeah, I watch, I've been watching a lot. I've been, I stopped for a while, but then again, I've been cheating because I will, I will, I'll, I follow some good people on Twitter. So then I'll watch and see what's happening on Twitter. But, uh, the weeks before this, I've been watching it almost just like watching way too much. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm, I can't I'm wait to go back to not I'm caring on, like, about all <laughs> I'm on Trump watch now. I can't wait to go to, to go back to not caring about politics. I cannot oh. wait. Yeah, I hope, that, you said I hope this shit changes, man. I I I, I get all my news from Twitter too. About it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Holy you shit! Know, the good old days when we're like, oh, the, the adults are handling things. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know that, that president of ours. You know, oh god, what do you do today? And now it's like, oh god, what did he do today? You know. Well, maybe well, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I try not. I try, try not to watch. Man. I flatline. I just get like, fuck. I just can't. I can't take anymore. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's disgusting. Such a such a bummer. I, you know, I, I, when I was coming up, when I was growing up, I just was like, I was an immigrant. My father like really instilled in me like, you know, the president is you know you don't make fun of the president. Uh, you know, he's important man. You have to have, you know, love of your country and all this junk. And then you went on Saturday Night Live and made fun it's of him. Nice, it's nice, but. <laughs> No, I, I went. I rebelled and went totally against it. Yeah. <laughs> he also said we pay our clowns too much, and I was like, "Hmm, interesting." Uh, <laughs> You're like, "Dad, I'm going to go against you on a couple of I'm things gonna, here." I was doing the cir- the circus of uh, SNL, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I was just really respectful and loving of the country, and to see, to see, like, I, I mean, I'm the first person to to shit on something that someone's doing wrong president or no president but but to see someone who has absolute no respect it's like oh boy this guy doesn't even have the doesn't he doesn't have the the foresight to even know that he, what kind of joke he's being like like a, like when you don't know how you're not cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah no idea you're not cool but instead you're you're doubling down tripling down on it um yeah you know, People, real people with minds see it and they're like, you can see that this guy's a phony. You can see that he's doing shit because he wants you to buy into something that makes no sense. So, yeah, uh, I, I think I think and hope that Joe Biden will be our next president. Do you have a yeah. good Joe Biden, Daryl? I don't have a Biden. I uh... Oh, if Trump wins, you do. That's good for business, actually, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I don't really have anywhere to do it i mean um were you, were you doing corporate gigs as trump ever 
Not anymore, but I did at one time. I think when I when I lost the job on the show, I I stopped getting the corporate gigs. I mean, I would do it at the comedy store a lot, um, and that was fun. Or we got to get him to start doing it on this podcast more often. So That's good. where we got to get it to do it. So good. <laughs> well, Chris, you write me some jokes, bro. Oh yeah, that's no problem. That's no problem on my end. I'll write you plenty of. We get plenty of material every day just from watching uh, our little clown in chief. You know. When you watch the when you watch uh, Daryl's thing where he mispronounces all these words, it's just so fucking good and so accurate. Which one was that? The, the, the Domino's one. You one one you did where you where you were just mispronouncing all these words. Um, I mean, the one where you did the Domino's one where he called it Domino's. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That that one, I, I really liked that one because <clears throat> when I was working on him, um, I realized the guy had like was four or five different voices, and he had one where he was just really um, uh, tickled by himself, and it, it, the crowd was really large. He he. It's the voice he uses now when he talks in front of the uh, the marine helicopter. Yeah, you know, yeah. Derek Jeter's gonna be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was I. Th- God, I love that one. There was Dominios, and and then there was Count the Halloween one. I think Paula Pell wrote these, and I, I, I would go, moo, moo, hoo, moo, hoo, 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 ha, 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 the apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking great, man! I love your impression of Trump. It's the best. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just, I, you know, I, what I want to do is I, and I, I don't know if I've sold Chris on the idea yet, but. I bought this book about uh, all of Groucho's scripts. Yes. So I want to do Trump doing the Marx Brothers because when he gets into his distortion field word salad, uh-huh. you know, like when, when he's out there by the by the Marine helicopter, the first thing he establishes is that we're getting fucked, but I'm, I'm handling it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm on it. And once he establishes that emotional thing, then he goes all over the fucking place. I mean, you can't understand what the fuck, you know, east is east and west is west. If you take cranberries and stew them like applesauce, they taste much more like prunes than rhubarb, okay? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wayfair, like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Wayfair, you've got just what I need. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a great sketch. We got to get that. Uh, we got to we got to film him. Uh, we got to film Daryl doing that more often, and, and and put that up as a, like a promo for our uh, our podcast. You know? Yeah. He start he starts that word salad. You can't tell what the hell he's talking about. He's yeah. brilliant. I don't I don't care what anybody says. This guy, I don't know how he learned how to do all this shit, but damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> daddy. His daddy was a dirty dude. What's that? His daddy was a dirty dude. How do you know how to do this stuff and manipulate people like that? Yeah, it's no collusion. They would sell, sell like, you know, elixirs in the Old West. You know, it's just like they got a gift of bullshitting. He's he's almost like a prestidigitator, like um, 
he says these words and they just people just are mesmerized by him and they buy them they buy anything he says as long as he's saying you got fucked i know you got fucked but i'm gonna fix this for you you know it was really curious to me i was watching a movie called all the king's men about huey long in louisiana 70 years 50 60 years ago and trump and, and, and he was he, the guy um, playing Huey Long was saying things that Trump says all the time. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's ripping off Trump. Oh. Wow. That was 70 years ago. <laughs> you know, things like, um, it's not me they want, it's you. I'm just in their way. I mean, stuff that those, that that's that his base, they just eat it up. Yeah, they, ha- they hammer it. They hammer the propaganda. Like no business. <laughs> well, not to uh, not to cut the Trump talk off, uh, but oh, we, well, uh, we we got to we got to wrap up a little bit here. Uh, before we go, is there? Uh, we usually ask our guests if you, I don't know if you have a fun wild story that you like to tell uh, from back in the day that is something that you were part of, or maybe you witnessed, uh, maybe uh, something from SNL, maybe something from another show you did, or touring or something. But uh, and if you have a good story, maybe uh, we'd love to hear it. It's a good, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, it's just there's so many. Not that he hasn't, um, not that he hasn't told like ten great ones already. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. I know. I was just trying to think of of other ones without, you know. Uh, oh shit! I even had one. Just, I'm so sorry. And you even asked me like to think of one, but I just, I thought it would just come up naturally. No, it's uh, all right if you can't, man. Well, I mean, uh, there's one time in the East Village, right? Like in the. In the, in the I split my head open dancing. Me and Jimmy Fallon were at this club, Don Hills, <laughs> and I split my head open. Oh my god! And, uh, and so he, uh, he, me, and Jake Fogelness had to go to emergency room, and I had my head sewed up, and I, I actually had to be in the show that year, and you know they just put the tape over my stitches. Oh um, shit! How, how did you do that? What happened? You were just break dancing on the ground? I dove off the stage. I dove off the stage into like a, a blue curtain, which is a blue velvet curtain, and like. What I didn't know was there was a, a cement pillar behind it. So I kind of just went, my hands went past it, and my head just boom in this pillar. Oh, and shit. Split my head. Oh. Gas drinking was involved, of course. <laughs> and I survived that one. There's like, and I just, there's little sweet ones, too. Like, I remember being backstage in, in the dressing areas, like after a show, and, you know, getting ready by yourself. And you're by yourself because everybody's either gone or they're on stage or whatever. And, uh, you know, Joey Ramone comes in and he's like, you know where Jimmy Fallon is? You know, <laughs> just like, what? Joey Ramone's walking in the, in the dressing area where, you know, where we can change. Yeah. And he's just like, you know where Jimmy Fallon is? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's on stage or, or he's upstairs in his dressing room. And he went and found him. But it was just those little kind of crazy moments. Um, I, Yeah, it probably sounds lame on the radio, but. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stories that involve drinking and partying and all that, but uh, you know the, the the good ones are the real sweet ones. This is like yeah, like there was a time I was standing outside of De Niro's dressing room. <clears throat> wasn't I would never get up the the nerve to be able to talk to him, even talk to him. I couldn't get up the nerve, but I'm standing there and I'm talking to someone. I see out of the corner of my eye, he, I'm just a few feet from his dressing room door, and I see him walk out his door. And I go, oh, my God, the shape moving towards me is Robert De Niro. And I turn around, and I'm scared, and I looked at him. And he just put out both of his hands, and he shakes my hands. And he's like, 
Nice. 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 <laughs> nice. Well, I'm like, pretty, that's the, I guess that's, that's another biggie, too, is that Robert De Niro doing a sketch that I wrote and just being like having him in a, doing a mob sketch on SNL. And I was like, oh, my God. This yeah, that's is so incredible. cool, man. That's one of the moments you're like, oh, of course I know how huge this is. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. At, at the moment, I thought to myself, did anyone else hear that? Did, I, <laughs> please, God, don't let me be the only one that heard that. Right? Yeah, no. Shit. Uh, and, then, and then like, and then Bill Murray uh, hosting was a dream come true. Or one of those dreams where like your actual dream is crashing into what got you there. Like well, your fandom and all your love is crashing now with your job. And, uh, you know, he, he picked me to be in a, you know, he picked the scene that uh, we wanted to do that I was a star and he didn't even have the funnier part. And I thought that's mm. just so fucking cool and like selfless and, yeah, that's cool, man. And it was, you know, that was one of my greatest scenes because, I'll, you know, that, that was before Dad Aykroyd uh, ended up doing that other thing. So just having him hosting a show and Tom Davis, the great Tom Davis, would show up with him mm-hmm. and he would help write. He'd show up with Dan Aykroyd and write. So those mm-hmm. moments are, are like the, the great, the great fun moments. Uh, Tom yeah. Davis showed me the Secret Garden on 11. Uh, <laughs> No, nah, but yeah, man, it's just it's just a great experience, I, and I'm glad that you. Uh, I, I appreciate how much you love the the idea of being there. I think it'll, it'll I think you're also going to make that happen next year. Yeah, I hope so, man. I mean, whenever it's safe for me to go in, I, I'd love to go check it out again. I mean, I, I, I got to go once a few years ago, which was so cool. You know, just to be backstage and hanging out and see how everything runs, man. It's it's yeah, it's very it's make, it, cool thing. It, it makes people so happy. I always love doing that for friends. It makes people so happy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, before we go, is there anything you'd like to promote, Horatio? Um, I think this week, I think whatever, I don't know when you're playing this, but uh, look out for the Horatio podcast, H-O-O-R-A-Y dot com. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun. I do a lot of characters and bullshit and got some dudes, com- comedians talking, comedian stuff, you know, nice, trying, man. To get, trying to get past the world, you know, trying to get make their way in the world. Sounds awesome, man. Yeah, Daryl, you got to come do it now that we're all, now we're all zoom, zoom, zooming. Yeah. I will, I will always show up for the straw that stirs the drink. You understand? <laughs> always, um, uh, always a pleasure running back into you. Always. It seems like it's every, every few years we'll, we'll get back and do some fun stuff. And I'm so more, I say more to that. More like that. More like that. More <laughs> of that. So well, I hope I hope we get to meet in person at some point, man. Too, Very nice so. meeting you too, Chris. Yeah, man. Um, is there uh, what's your uh, social media for everybody, real quick, so we can plug? Oh, uh, Mr. Horatio Sands is my Twitter, okay. and Mr. Sands is my Instagram. Nice. All right. Well, everybody, go follow Mr. Horatio Sands. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Horatio. Appreciate thank you, being here. And continued success with your podcast, friends. Thanks, thank buddy. All right. Love, Take care, man. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Care. I like you, but I'm going to start loving you. So. Oh, I hope right. so, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, man, what a great podcast we had today. What a great guest Horatio is, huh? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's another uh, another good one in the books for us. Uh, man, If uh, you know, I, I just think these keep getting better and better, and we get these amazing guests and uh, – 
if you're listening, please just uh, share this. Share it on social media. Please make sure to give us five stars. Uh, you know, rate us five stars. Give us a review if you'd like. Um, and then uh, just download and subscribe. It's, we're on, you know, obviously Spotify and iTunes, which you're probably listening to right now. And uh, follow both of us on social media if you don't mind. Daryl's social media is really popping these days. We're putting up videos on uh on his Instagram, and uh, you know, so you got to follow him at Daryl C. Hammond, and I am at Chris Millhouse, two L's in Millhouse, uh, and this is the Third Person Podcast, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with another episode soon.